for uh, Gray Matters, so I'm going to fade out the galactic funk and hit you with a quick promo. And then we'll be back with Gray Matters, all the public affairs, news, and talk you need. WCBN 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor's alternative student-run radio station is looking for DJs. Are you interested? Begin your journey at our training session offered every Sunday at 4 p.m. at the downstairs lobby of the Student Activities Building. Be there or be somewhere else. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm sure it's the big blockbuster hit <clears throat> of the Christmas season. My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim Dwyer is probably having a hoot of a time finding a parking space because uh, I was surprised by how many cars were out and about around the station. But it might be this uh, rainy weather, and of course, uh, much of the country is getting rain at the moment. Uh, looks like the predictions of the El Nino are indeed coming to happen. And it's interesting that scientists earlier this summer uh, had noted that this probably would be the strongest El Nino pattern uh, since the last strong one in 1997-1998. By the way, that was one of the top 15 temperature recordings on planet Earth. Uh, The other 14 have pretty much occurred this century, the 21st century. Uh, But you're seeing, at least out west, some snow and rain up in the Sierra Nevada mountains that should help alleviate some of the drought problems. But rest assured, uh, there are continuing problems with drought in California. Just wanted to note that earlier this summer... I was pointing out that some uh, paleoclimatologists were looking at some trees that had been buried underwater for over 500 years, that they were able to analyze the tree rings and noted that this is one of the sort of eras of mega drought in that part of the country. Uh, We also have confirmation from the fact that earlier this summer, uh, federal water managers reported that the level of Lake Mead, the surface level of Lake Mead was at a record level, basically uh, 37% of capacity, and that a sinking at that point, which was as of July of June 25th of this summer, would trigger a cut in water supplies to Arizona and Nevada. So those three states uh, continue, as well as California and Nevada, continue to have Long-term water problems that, needless to say, have not been addressed in any of the presidential debates. 
Donald Trump wants an apology. Oh, my. Uh, Here's a guy that's pretty much insulted everybody on the planet. Um, And, of course, has insulted many of his fellow Republicans. And he wants an apology from Hillary Clinton for basically suggesting that he might be one of Eisel's top recruiting uh, subjects. Um, it's interesting to note, by the way, that one of the people that he insulted from time to time was Lindsey Graham, who dropped out of the race this year, uh, today. And I don't think this is much of a surprise. Uh, he had always been on the junior varsity debate, so to speak. But I think that Lindsey Graham's problems in this particular presidential election year are very telling. Uh, Graham, of course, has been a longtime member of Congress. Uh, He sort of uh, catapulted into a little bit of notoriety when he sat on the Bill Clinton House Impeachment Committee back when he was a member of the House of Representatives. And it's interesting to note, by the way, that he's, I think, the only candidate who had been running that actually had any military experience. Uh, But he had a variety of problems. I just wanted to highlight a couple of these because I think they uh, suggest one of the problems going forward with all of the uh, insults, uh, lack of factuality, and a general dumbing down of the public. Lindsey Graham is not a demagogue. He's actually a relatively thoughtful politician, somewhat soft-spoken, doesn't seem to lose his cool in public very often. And it's interesting that on the issue of Syria, he's been probably the most hawkish until, of course, recently when then everybody decided they wanted to become hawkish. And we've had a variety of uh, sort of machismo chest-thumping statements from various candidates. I've never been too sure what to make of Ted Cruz's claim that he wished to carpet bomb Syria, and he doesn't know whether the sand will glow, but we'll find out. Uh, This, of course, seems to be a kind of a veiled reference to maybe using nuclear weapons. I I don't know. Uh, But uh, because uh, Lindsey Graham was hawkish on Syria... He was a a, a foible early on to the uh, Rand Paul wing, the so-called non-interventionist libertarian wing of the Republican Party. And Rand Paul is going nowhere in this particular election either. Lindsey Graham's other interesting problem was the immigration issue. Uh, It's not been well publicized, but he was part of the Gang of Eight that came up with the immigration legislation several years ago that Marco Rubio is now being pilloried by Ted Cruz about. So these little spats between various candidates is becoming somewhat interesting. This may have actually has been ongoing for some time. Trump has attacked Carson. He even attacked the voters in Iowa <laughs> while attacking Carson. And uh, the, the, the sort of the theme of the week is uh, on immigration is Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio going at it on 
the fact that he was part of the Gang of Eight, and Rubio, needless to say, is now retreating 180 degrees on some of his previous positions. I don't think that a an apology from Hillary Clinton is going to be forthcoming for the Donald. And uh, on the good news of the week, I'll just report that it was reported today that wind power in the United States has now consisting of about 5% of the electricity that's being produced as we have surpassed the 50,000 wind turbine threshold. And there actually is occasionally good news. So, carpet bombing aside... Never good news. And, of course, the the various flub-ups on the Middle East... Uh, both uh, Republicans and Democrats had debates uh, this past week, and uh, they weren't entertaining. No, in fact, if anything, they're probably serving to uh, create a greater sense of distaste in the mouths of voters. Uh, you can't even enjoy them for ironic amusement because it's just you get a stomachache after a while. And as far as apologies are concerned, well, where's the line? I mean, uh, as you mentioned uh, in your opening comments, uh, Trump has offended just about everybody. So for a guy like him to even say out loud, you know, oh, I'm owed an apology is, of course, ridiculous. But uh, yeah, who has he apologized to? Just out of curiosity. (laughs) On one level, they should all apologize for participating in the just large-scale dumbing down uh, and uh, stupefaction of the entire election process, which, as as we've commented on here before, become a sort of an industry unto itself. There's a lot of money to be made off of running elections and constant polling and constant reappraisals of what so-and-so said and whose support is now going to go to who uh, over uh, a campaign that runs for Nigh on two years long. Yeah, and I, I don't know that Lindsey Grant's uh, less than 1% of the vote is going to matter. Or who his endorsement will select. I mean, uh, it, will it really make that much of a difference? His his only delegate that I know about was going to be John McCain, a super delegate. John McCain, of course, that endorsed Lindsey Graham. And, of course, one of his other big problems is the fact that he's, uh, you know, sort of— uh, Some pressure at home. Pressure at home. I mean, he, would, he wouldn't have done better than fourth place, and he might have done even worse than yeah. that. He's the senator from South Carolina. They have a relatively early primary, and it's troubling that Carson, Cruz, and Trump collectively are getting about 60% of uh, the Republican vote. Now, we know these polls are uh, have changed quite a bit f- from time to time. I don't think the debates have helped Donald Trump much. But it's interesting that he did make one comment during the debate that sort of disappeared from the discourse when he pointed out that we have spent $4 trillion in the Middle East already. And as he put it, and of course this is his uh, appeal to pseudo-populism in the United States, I would have rather spent the money here at home to quote-unquote make America great again. Policy wonks like Lindsey Graham have not done well historically in the Republican Party. I mean, you can kind of go back, if you think about it, over almost the past 70, 80 years, 
and they have not nominated very many policy wonk types. I would say that George H.W. Bush, 41, for those keeping track of numerals, and since we are a— Probably the closest thing to a policy wonk. Him and Nixon might have been the closest. And, and of you course, know, H.W. is a one-termer. One-termer. And when you get down into the weeds, when you offer specifics, you you hear a lot of people saying, well, we want specifics. You don't get them very often unless you're watching the Democratic debate. Now, there's a lot of specifics there. The problem for the Democrats is that suddenly this uh, bugaboo of terrorism has, uh, you know, sanity has gone out the window in the last several weeks I continue to assert there's no linkage whatsoever between the San Bernardino attacks and Syria, or as this, of yet, or this Los Angeles, you know, uh, vehicular mishap that was also being. We don't know; it might be terrorism. Oh yeah, I, I mean that's absurd. That's that's not even for that to have been said out loud on a serious news agency's broadcast is ridiculous. That's nothing but supposition at best and easily proved highly unlikely and of course it's already been established that the uh, the perpetrators of the san bernardino attack uh, were radicalized well before isil really existed i think that this last second posting on facebook was sort of an afterthought i it, it's it's a fake clue i don't think it has anything to do with the radicalization of these two individuals and just for the record, Pakistan has incredible radical uh, Islamic uh, zealots, demagogues, and whatnot, and it's quite and schools that promote that agenda. Sure, and and we're not we're not. I mean, we're talking about as many factions in Pakistan. Let's remember, this is an enormous country. It's one of our allies, and it's much easier to talk and suggest somehow that these. Perpetrators in California are linked to Syria. Well, look, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that just this week, I mean, you know, we have Chris Christie. We'll give him a brain damage award. Uh, letting the audience know that when I stand across from King Hussein of Jordan and say to him, you have a friend again, sir, who will stand with you to fight this fight. He'll change his mind. Ridiculous. King Hussein died many years ago. <laughs> 15, 20 years now? Um, and, of course, Jordan... It's his son, Abdullah. ...is cooperating with the United States. In the As East. they always have. Jordan has yeah. always been a friendly country. And, of course, Jordan has borne an enormously disproportionate brunt of the Syrian refugee problem. Well, and Which is also... not even discussed in this whole... Republican uh, and their discussion of glowing sand hosting Palestinian refugees yeah. by the thousands. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure, Chris Christie. You have a friend. I was hoping that he would throw on a I, James Taylor record yeah. to kind of lighten up the or mood. Or surprised that he wouldn't throw out a Nikolai Ceausescu reference or something. <laughs> He also, of course, suggested that uh, that he would shoot down a Russian airplane in uh, the Syrian zone, claiming that we need a no-fly zone. We don't need a no-fly zone in Syria. ISIL is a ragtag ground operation. They control some territory, 
And gee, guess what? There actually was an interesting story from a real reporter talking, reporting from Baghdad, albeit, but Michael Gordon, who's been a longtime defense analyst for the uh, New York Times, has written several books about the kind of the big picture of the wars uh, in the Middle East uh, involving America, including the Gulf Wars. These books were co-written with Bernard Trainer. Uh, I've read a couple of his books. It's very interesting stuff. But he just last week, this is what he reported um, about what's actually going on on the ground. Believe it or not, there's actually an offensive going on on the ground. Um, where is it? It's in Ramadi. The United States is bombing ISIL positions in Ramadi. Quoting the... Uh, <clears throat> Prime Minister of Iraq, he says, our progress in Ramadi is, is, as he put it, and I'm quoting, a huge progress and has added to the progress in Banji, Mr. Abadi said in English, referring to a town that is the site of a strategic oil refinery in Iraq. American military officials have painted a generally positive picture of the Iraqis' push to take Ramadi, but Iraqi troops were involved in a pitch fighting on Tuesday of last week as Islamic fighters counterattack. The city, which is believed to be occupied by several hundred militants, has been surrounded by 10,000 Iraqi troops. Tens of thousands of civilians are believed to be trapped in the town, and the Islamic fighters have shot at some who have tried to flee, according to American officials. He then goes on to note that the Iraqi army has taken a bridge, that there's been an attack, there's been a counterattack. The point is, there is progress being, actually, there actually is progress occurring on the ground. But the problem with this story, and this story was reported on the 17th of December uh, of last week, is that this appears on page 12 of the New York Times. It's at the end of the article and none of the people running for president read it. <laughs> They're talking about fantasies, and they keep suggesting that there hasn't been air power. My recollection from the debate, by the way, when Christie suggested that he would shoot down a Russian plane as uh, he establishes a no-fly fly zone in Syria as our commander-in-chief. That's part of his no-bridge zone, too. Yeah, no-bridge to Ramadi. Um, uh, Rand Paul had to say, well, it sounds like the start of World War III to me. Uh, believe it or not, the United States and the, and the, and the Russians are actually in fairly substantive negotiations to come up with a real peace process involved with solving the Syria disaster. And make no mistake, it is a disaster. It is a humanitarian disaster. We've seen the uh, migration uh, situation into Europe. Time magazine just named Merkel, Chancellor Merkel of Germany, person of the year. Why? Because of her involvement in the refugee crisis and the Greek financial mm -hmm. crisis. Uh, that's their selection. Whatever. Um, but, I mean, some of these other candidates, it's, it's just remarkable. We have um, Carly Fiorini, 
saying that she would not even talk to Vladimir Putin until the United States had rebuilt the Sixth Fleet, which could take a while. (laughs) Uh, You know, these are the people that want to be your commander-in-chief. I I don't, you know, it's, it's remarkable stuff. Like I said, it's funny, not so funny, funny. It's, yeah. And, you know, the whole terror bugaboo is on at least one level just really a sort of a seasonal thing where broadcasters like Fox, as, you know, a lot of people travel at the holiday, it's a very uh, highly concentrated time of economic interest, commerce is at its uh, highest levels, and so you sprinkle a little terror fear in there and it just just makes for a much more entertaining stew much more entertaining stew and of course there's always ben carson uh when when it comes to entertainment that assumes that he can wake up to give the punchline, which he has trouble doing at from time to time but it's fascinating that his uh rapid decline started about a month ago Seems that Ted Cruz has actually been the beneficiary of that in uh, the state of Iowa. And indeed, Ted Cruz may win Iowa. So what? Most of the Republican winners of Iowa have not gone on to win the nomination. But it's fascinating that just a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Ben Carson was was getting uh, Middle East lessons from Dwayne Dewey Claridge of Iran-Contra fame. And, of course, the interview that Claridge, who was criminally implicated in the Iran-Contra affair, he was a pal of Oliver North, was quoted as saying that Mr. Carson, after some briefings, was unable to absorb one iota of intelligent information about the Middle East, uh, said Mr. Claridge. And he had recommended weekly briefings, so, quote, we can make him smart, unquote. <laughs> um, and then after Carson's disastrous appearance on Fox News uh, Sunday of uh, the week of November 19th. Where he was going to get the friendliest questions he was ever going to face. This, of course, was designed for Ben Carson to burnish his mm-hmm. foreign policy credentials after being briefed by Dwayne Dewey Claridge had to call Mr. Armstrong Williams, his, uh, quote, business advisor. He's not the campaign manager or his political advisor. This is of Ben Carson. And suggested on Monday morning that Mr. Carson's appearance on Fox News Sunday said, look, quote, he stepped in it, unquote. (laughs) And I think we know what it is. Uh, What an endorsement. Uh, so Ben Carson getting remedial lessons on the Middle East. Hopefully he won't well, that's, confer that, that's with Chris Christie. Fairly damning language to say that somebody is unable to absorb one iota. Yeah. That's as polite a way to say stupid as bored, uh, as I think I've heard. And, of course, you know, the, I, I don't believe that the uh, Republican debate had any actual focus on the gun problem in America. but Which it is, is really what the San Bernardino thing is like, uh, as you, you know, uh, suggested, 
highly unlikely they're connected in any way to ISIL or uh, particularly Syria, but the accessibility that they had to high-powered weapons right yeah. in their neighborhood. Which, of course, it turns out they purchased uh, from their neighbor. It was a straw purchase, so to speak, and this is what allowed— Those are all perfectly legit in the uh, gun manufacturing lobby's uh, vision of America. Yeah, and it's very interesting, by the way. You hear a lot of uh, candidates uh, running for president suggest that what we need in America are more guns uh, and that this would make us safer and that the concealed carry— policies that have been act- enacted by numerous states is the answer. Wrong. Uh, research since 2007 showed that at least 763 people have been killed in 579 shootings that did not involve self-defense. Tellingly, the vast majority of these concealed carried licensed shooters killed themselves or others rather than taking down the perpetrator. The death toll includes 29 mass shootings of three or more people by concealed carry shooters who took 139 lives, 17 police officers shot to death. And in the ultimate contradiction of the concealed carry as personal safety, 223 suicides. That's what concealed carry is good for. Yeah. If you can call that good for anything. Uh, real quickly, I'll just mention that I'm uh, holding in my hand here the uh, year end. Uh, actually, it's dated February 2016, the way their publishing schedule is. But it's the end of the year Mad Magazine 20 Dumbest People Events and Things of 2015. <laughs> Make America Dumb Again uh, with uh, Alfred E. Newman and the Trump do on the cover. And, of course, uh, Trump as the, gr- the great gas bag is the number one dumbest thing. But uh, item number 10 on the 20 dumbest things. A cross-section inside Ben Carson's brain. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's pretty good, too. So uh, some nice topical satire. Part of America's great comic legacy. It's sometimes the only shield we have against these maniacs. Here, here. And uh, m- m- I grew up with Mad Magazine, always a, <clears throat> a great uh, source of not only inspiration, but wisdom. Indeed. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah, I mean, one of the things that that is interesting, of course, the phenomena that Trump is is sort of tapping into uh, was illustrated just a couple of days ago, um, actually yesterday, technically, in the Spanish elections. We have these two upstart parties uh, basically denying a victory to the prime minister of Spain, Rajoy, based on the austerity um, issue in Spain, and that these two so-called third parties got almost a third of the vote, upsetting the balance in the Spanish parliament. Coalition governments are going to be negotiated. But um, it's fascinating, too, just a couple of weeks ago in France— in the second round uh, of elections, Marine Le Pen's, uh, the, the leader of the Le Pen movement, um, was denied any regional power as the French public sort of came to their senses. And came out in good numbers. And in the second round of voting and, of course, the arcane uh, rules of French <clears throat> elections, 
continue to befuddle me, but at least they have two rounds. They sort of have a, well, do you really want to do? <laughs> how about a, how about a do-over? How about a mulligan <laughs> on what happened last week? <laughs> kind of interesting. Well, there's been arguments that we need something like that here, as well as possibly a none of the above option as well. But uh, I found it particularly relieving that the second wave of the French elections did not play into the uh, sort of, you know, feared expectations that the attacks in Paris were going to pull the political landscape to the right and that you'd see the... uh, the essentially Le Pen's fascist-like party in ascendance. Just the opposite happened, and that is very good news. And, of course, you know, obviously the Paris attacks were, were horrible uh, events. But once again, you know, the problem, one of the major problems in the French attacks were, were the uh, accessibility of the black market gun mm-hmm. situation from Brussels. Yep. And, you know, while there have been a little more linkages to Syria, even there, uh, this strikes me as disgruntled uh, European um, sort of uh, anger and uh, disaffection, whatever you want to call it, more so than connected with Middle East politics. Um, One of the participants seems to have traveled back and forth to Syria, but it remains a little unclear to me Eisel's exact role in the French massacres. So their investigators are still working on that case. In fact, they're still looking for one of the suspects. Um, So I think all this jumping to conclusions about Eisel and these quote-unquote terrorist attacks, I think really need to be toned down. Yeah, that's what I mean about this. You know, just everything's terrorism. Oh, my God, maybe it's terrorism. Look out, there might be terrorism. Probably not. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this is comparing apples and oranges, but it's interesting to note that uh, today on NPR, I heard that 19 kids have died playing football. Uh, These are high school kids and junior high school kids just this year. Yeah. Um, You know, what? Where's the clamor about football? Just like to remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor and Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Um, I'd like to thank Andrew for engineering once again this evening. And uh, remind everybody, this has been the darkest day of the year. Uh, tomorrow, December 22nd, days get a little bit longer. Here comes the sun, little darling. Indeed. It's coming back. Hence the origins of Christmas, I'm sure. Well, we're out of time. Yazoo City Calling, coming up next. All right, let it go.